All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're still looking at verses 16, 17, and 18. Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that's what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, is what it means to be led by the Spirit. Uh, We're all familiar with the teaching that when we become obedient to the gospel, we receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul is reminding the Galatians of that and instructing them uh, about being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, um, and how that is different from what they're being taught by other people, uh, other uh, teachings that are not from God. Okay. Basically, when you get when you put it back into the context of the letter that he's writing to the Galatians, what he's saying is, is don't don't listen to these people. You listen to God. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit is to listen to God. And we're kind of talking about the nuts and bolts of that. So we're going to get back into that this morning. Jordan, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please, sir? All right, so walking by the Spirit, we've already talked about how um, that, that there's, there's some practic- practicality to this. In other words, um, if you ask some, if you went out and you talked to somebody, you asked somebody, maybe you asked somebody somewhere in the, in the religious world, and you asked, well, what's it mean to be led by the Spirit? What's it mean to, to follow the Spirit, listen to it? You, you may hear all kinds of things. Um, in in reality, they may say they may they may uh, talk a lot about it, but they're not really saying anything about it because they don't have that biblical understanding of the activity of the Holy Spirit. You'll you'll hear a lot about how they feel, what they think. Um, you'll hear a lot of emotionalism associated with it. But you won't. But you won't find the actual Bible teaching about it, about the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's because, and we've talked about this before, how the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit, has been reduced uh, to. Pardon the pardon the phrase, but almost like a ghost story. You know what I mean? It's almost like uh, it. 
it's kind of like, well, whatever, whatever you think it is, or or however, however you feel about it. You, you, you get, you see what I'm saying? But the Bible, the Bible teaches clearly about how the Holy Spirit is active in our life, okay? So it's not as subjective as all that. It's objective, okay? Whatever whatever the, the, the Bible teaches us about what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the Christian, that's what you need to know. Now, there are things of God, there's mysteries of God that we don't understand, but God would not have us be ignorant about His presence in our life. Okay? Uh <clears throat> Simply put, walking by the Spirit is following the Spirit's teachings. And we have the Spirit's teachings, okay? We have the written Word. And because we have the written Word, there's no more need for modern-day miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Those things which in earlier times were a testimony or a witness to the presence of God uh, in that in that situation, or in the lives of the apostles, uh, or uh, to to bear witness to the things that Jesus said, okay? There's no there's no longer any need for that. We have the written word. We have we have the promises that Jesus made and the promises that Jesus kept. He told his apostles that he would give them what they needed to evangelize the world. He did that. They did that. Okay. And we we have we have the benefits of that in the Word of God. Um, as far as the activity of the Holy Spirit or being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is active in our conversion. Okay, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three that if less a man is born by Water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Titus, in Titus chapter 3, Paul talks about how the Word is associated or how the Word leads to the washing of regeneration through the Word and the Holy Spirit. Okay, In James chapter 1, he talks about how we are born of the Word or begotten by the Word of God as far as uh, our new birth, our conversion. So the, the, from beginning to end, the Holy Spirit is active, okay? Even before the Holy Spirit of God indwells us, it is active in our conversion. Why? How is, how is the Holy Spirit active in our conversion? Even before we have the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit, how is it active? How is that? The Word. What did Paul write in Romans chapter 10? That faith comes by what? Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and that by the Word of God. There is no biblical faith separate and apart from the Word of God. You can believe whatever you want to, but that doesn't mean it's biblical faith. Right? So after our conversion, after our new birth, the Holy Spirit then does what? Acts chapter 2. It indwells us. Okay, It is God's presence in our life. And once it indwells us, just like putting a seed in the ground, it begins to do what? Grow and bear fruit. Or it should. 
okay? It should. So the Spirit saves us by the word of the gospel. The Spirit bears fruit in the life of the Christian by how? The continual partaking of the Word of God. And what we're talking about here is when it comes to, we're, we're talking about being led by the Spirit, but the Spirit does not save us, it does not, it does not bear fruit in our life, and it does not guide us separate and apart from the Word of God. People, you hear people talking about, well, I, I heard God tell me this, or I heard God tell me that. God, the Holy Spirit, is not going to tell you anything that's not written in this book. So if you're hearing some voice about God telling you to do this, or God led me to do this, or God, if, it, if, it, if it don't jive with the Word of God, uh, you need to spend some more time. If you want to hear what God has to say to you personally, you need to open this book. Okay, because in Hebrews chapter 1 the Hebrew writer says that in, in times past that God spoke to us through the prophets but now he has spoken to us through his son and Jesus Christ is the final revelation from God he's not going to say anything else Okay, he said it here it is you want to know what God has to say to you you need to open this book <clears throat> So as far as being led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is active in our conversion through the Word. The Spirit uh, takes up residence in our life and it bears His fruit by the Word and it guides us in our daily walk by the Word. Okay? In all three, in all three activities of the Holy Spirit, though it is the the uh, the word plays a critical point in each one of those. We've already talked about how the word plays a part in how the, the activity of the Holy Spirit through our salvation. Let's talk about the, the word of God and how the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to bear fruit in our life. Uh, Ed Wharton writes in his book, he says, We know from Scripture that God gives us growth and development when we cooperate with Him. We know from Scripture that God gives us growth and development when we cooperate with Him. Now, if Cully and I were going to cooperate on something, what does that mean? First and foremost, we we got to get on the same page about whatever it is we're doing, right? Well, if you want to get on the same page with God, you, you're going to have to open the Word. There is no activity of the Holy Spirit in any person's life when there is scriptural illiteracy. Okay? <clears throat> So it is through the Word, our continual partaking of the Word, that spiritual fruit, and we're going to talk about spiritual fruit when we get to the end of chapter 5, but there is no spiritual fruit growing in, in anyone's life if they're not partaking of the Word. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 4, 
or starting in verse, uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 11 and following, Paul is going to enumerate the things that that take growth in, in people's lives and they, they begin to do different things for God. Okay? Starting in verse 11, he said, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So there's work to do and that... Ultimately, that work, no matter what part you're playing in that, the work is for what? It's for God for the purposes of building up and equipping the saints. You may have a certain role in that, and you may have a certain role in that, but the end game, we all have a common purpose. The end game is so that we be built up into the church, okay, in the way God wants it to be until we all attain to the unity of the faith. In other words, the work that you do, the work that I do, we put all that work together, and the end game is, is that we become more and more unified. The unity of the faith, that we all become more and more unified in the common purpose of serving God. Would you agree with that? and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, how is it then that you're going to mature? How is it then uh, that you're going to gain that stature? Hmm? How, how is it that you are going... He says to attain to the unity. In other words, we're striving for that. That's the goal. So... We talked about, uh, maybe it was last week, a couple weeks ago, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 16. We read about the first century church and they were united because they had what? They had a common teaching. They were all united and they devoted themselves to prayer and to what? To the teachings of the apostles. In other words, if, if we were there in that time, you know, they, the apostles wouldn't be going around telling Pat one thing, then they come tell Dale something else, and then they tell Shorty something else. They had a common purpose because what? They were teaching, believing, and having faith, and acting in accordance with the same message. As a result, verse 14, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What's happening here in the Galatian church? They started out one way, but now they're hearing something else, right? Huh? And they're being carried, carried around by a, a different wind, Okay? by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we talked about, we've talked about earlier what it means to love. One of, one of the key things to loving each other is loving, uh, loving each other enough to tell each other the truth. If you're going to teach the truth in love, the first thing you've got to do is love that other person. And you've got to love them enough to tell them the truth. Okay? 
I got to fuss at my kids about brushing their teeth. Okay? But it's because I love them enough to tell them the truth that if they don't brush their teeth, it's not going to work out good for them. And I know that's an oversimplification, but it's, it's the same thing. And they roll their eyes at me and get mad and say, Dad, I did, I did, I did. But I know that it takes longer than 30 seconds to brush your teeth. But speaking the truth in love, we were to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Did you catch that? In order to get to the end game, everybody's got to be doing what? Doing their part. Okay? It's got to come together for the common purposes. Remember what he said? He said he gave some as apostles and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Well, if you if you have all those jobs that need doing and one of the jobs isn't, gun, isn't getting done, your job is this, but somebody else's job is that. If one of those jobs isn't done, we're, we're not going to get to where we need to be. It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. <clears throat> the word is that what equips each person to do their job. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're to be a teacher, or if you're to be an evangelist, or you're to be a pastor, you need to be consulting the word of God, what the word of God says about doing that particular job. And then it becomes evident how the Word of God, how the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to bear fruit in the life of the Christian. Would you agree with that? Does that make sense? John chapter 15. This is a lengthy reading, but we're going to read all of it because there's, there's really not, I mean, you don't get the whole thing unless you read it all. Sometimes we need to spend more time reading the Bible instead of just kind of talking about. I like big, I like big swaths of, of Scripture. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. We're talking about... We're talking about how the Holy Spirit uses the word to bear fruit in our life. He takes it away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen carefully. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. You see where we're going here? He's talking about fruits being born out when the vine, the branch uh, remains in the vine. Okay? So we got to, you and I, we got to remain in Jesus to bear fruit. 
We're talking about how the Holy Spirit uses the Word to bear fruit in our life. So how is it that we're going to remain in the vine, Jesus, through the Word? Okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Did you catch all that? If your words are abiding, if His words are abiding in you, in other words, if the Word of God is living in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. What is God glorified by? God is glorified when we are led by His Word to pray and ask for the things in our life which will glorify Him. And only through partaking of the Word will we be led to know what to ask for. Does that make sense? My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Listen carefully to verse 10. If you keep my commandments, where are the commandments of Jesus? They're right here. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You want to be Jesus' friends? Find out what his commands are. Where are the commands of Jesus? They're in the word. The spirit will use that word to bear fruit in your life. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus loves you enough to tell you the truth. Is what that means. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Then in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 4 through verse 6, Paul writes, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined together to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. In other words, 
the Holy Spirit is active in your conversion. Once the Holy Spirit indwells you, He's active in the growth and maturity of your new life. Okay? And the, and the process of becoming what God wants you to be. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So the Spirit bears fruit in our life by the Word of God. And finally, the Spirit guides us by His Word. The Spirit guides us by the Word of God, by the Word of Christ. We must make a distinction between what the Spirit does and what we do. In other words, we must make a distinction between the activity of the Holy Spirit and our activity in response to the Spirit's urging. Okay? Does that make sense? The Spirit personally indwells God's people. Galatians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, Paul says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. He intercedes for us when we pray. Romans chapter 8. Strengthens us in the inner man, Ephesians chapter 3, and will one day raise us, uh, raise his own from the dead, Romans chapter 8. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that God raised Christ from the dead. This is what the Spirit does. But walking by the Spirit is what we do. Apart from the revelation of the Spirit's word, we know nothing of the gospel or of God's will for us in Christ. To walk by the Spirit is tantamount to walking in the light of His word. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So what John talks about walking in the light is precisely walking in accordance with God's Word. The Spirit, the light, the Word. Okay? That's what that is. Paul has already said that what we do by the Spirit, we do by faith. If you recall there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5, he says, For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Since faith comes by hearing the word, what we do by the Spirit through faith, we do by His word. When Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit, he tells us to walk according to his teaching. Christians today must be careful not to equate scriptures that speaking of the indwelling of the Spirit with the Spirit's guidance. The indwelling Spirit guides us to be sure. But what we know that he indwells us and what his directives are are only by his word. In other words, the activity of the Holy Spirit increases in the life of the Christian when we partake more of God's word. And that's our activity. Okay? 
God tells us that there is, is more than our own obedience working in our behalf. The intercession of the Holy Spirit in prayer, uh, uh, His strengthening of our inner man, and so forth and so on. But we have no authority to substitute the objective Word of God with some spiritual existentialism as a revelation from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to say anything that's not right here. Let the first bell. So the Spirit guides us by the Word. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren. If you'd like to turn over there to James chapter 1. We're going, this is this is kind of an important reading. Verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. What, what was he talking about a minute ago? The activity of the Holy Spirit and our activity, what, what we do, our willingness, in other words, to submit to those teachings. Okay, to partake of them and to submit to them. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Listen to verse 25. There's a key word here. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. I looked at word, I'm reading from the New American Standard, and James uses the word looking intently, that word intently. Does anybody else's translations have a different word than intently? I looked that up. I've got a deal on this Bible thing. that It looks up the, the, the actual original Greek word, and it tells you what... The definition is the word intently, the Greek word that's used there is like if you had a small opening and you really had to look down in there and look inside of it like this. That's what that means. You really had to work at looking in there and seeing what was what was happening back in there. Or to like bend down and look inside a hole in the ground, which I don't advise you doing that, but that's what that's the idea of it. Okay? To look intently. And if you got a small opening like that, you really got to work, Dale, to see what's in there, right? And when I read that, it brought to my mind what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 about entering in through the narrow way. Okay? You know, it's like when you pull into the parking lot and they got them little old parking spots for one of those fuel injected Easter eggs and and you can't and you're you're trying to get your your truck or your suburban or whatever you're trying to get it in there and you you really gotta you gotta look intently to get it in there right that's that's the same idea here so if I'm going to look intently at the word I'm not making a cursory glance at what God has to say I'm going to read it and then I'm going to read it again 
and then I'm going to keep reading it till I figure out how it fits. Okay? And what's inside there? What's in there? What is he saying? I got to look at it. I got to I got to study it. Does that make sense? And part of that search, part of that uh the diligence that we put in, that's part of the maturation process. Would you agree with that, Sam? 